Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Duck Thief. It's October 21st, 2006, and you're listening to the Straw Wolf Podcast. So this is show number three, and it's been about a month since my last podcast, since show number two, and I do have an explanation for that. I do have an excuse. Uh, basically, the week after, I started having computer problems where I had all these viruses, and I couldn't get on the internet, and there you go. So hopefully that won't happen again. I'm hoping to do show number four next weekend, and that's really all I have to say about that. And uh, when I was thinking about you know, what, what I wanted to talk about on the podcast. I, you know, I don't really have an audience. So basically I'm talk- going to talk about things that I find interesting and hopefully anybody who listens will find it interesting too because I find that, you know, sometimes if, especially uh, in class, uh, if you find a teacher who's really interested and into their subject, they sort of bring you in too and, you know, you sort of feel the same way. At least that's been my experience. So, uh, and also, uh, you know, doing a podcast, I want there to be some sort of dialogue, some sort of conversation or feedback, because otherwise, you know, I'm just basically talking to myself, and that's that's not fun at all. And uh, I'm a big fan of movies. This is thanks to my mom. I was raised on, I don't know how many hundreds of uh, videos and, uh, you know, going to theaters and things like that. So I'm going to try and talk about a movie a week and for those of you who don't like being spoiled or uh, you know don't want to hear the endings of movies you haven't seen yet uh, now would be a good time to turn off the podcast or walk away from your computer or turn the sound down because basically I'm gonna ruin it for you um, this week I want to talk about Stand By Me which was uh, made in 1986 and I only saw it this past summer for the first time and it's basically the quintessential coming-of-age story now, yes, it's about four young boys, but you know what? It's, it's, it's okay. I loved it. I thought it was great. And uh, I think one of the reasons that I watched it was because uh, one of the boys uh, is Will Wheaton, who uh, I sort of grew up with Star Trek Next Generation. Um, you know, it would be after the news, and uh, my family, we would all watch it together. So that's how I was like, oh, I know who that is, so I'll, I'll watch this. I'd heard of the movie before, and I'd heard it mentioned, but... You know, I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't really want to see it or anything. I had no um, sort of drive to go out and rent it and say, I'm going to go watch Stand By Me. Because it's not really movie of my generation. It's more of the 80s. But anyway. Uh, so it's, as I said, so at least four boys. Uh, Gordy, Teddy, Vern, and Chris. And uh, Gordy is played by Will Wheaton, as I said. Chris is played by River Phoenix. Vern is played by Jerry O'Connell, and Teddy is played by Corey Feldman. Now, if any of you have seen The Goonies, you'll recognize Corey Feldman from this movie. So, anyway, uh, and when Jerry O'Connell, um, he did Sliders, and he, uh, Crossing Jordan and uh, River Phoenix, unfortunately, um, died of a drug overdose. And uh, Will Wheaton, he did Star Trek, went on to go do Star Trek, and now he has his own podcast. Um, I think it's Radio Free Burrito. So, anyway. Um, Gordy, uh, Will Wheaton's character, uh, basically all the characters, are the four boys, they each sort of have their own problems. Gordy, 
he's he wants to be a writer and he's sort of still suffering the loss of his older brother and uh his brother he was sort of the perfect son you know he was a he was handsome he was an athlete and you know he you got the idea he was going places and John Cusack uh, plays the uh, deceased brother and the parents especially uh, Gordy's father he you know he's like oh my other son doesn't really measure up because you know he's not athletic he wants to be a writer he's a an artsy fartsy kind of person and uh, Teddy who is uh, played by Corey Feldman who if you've seen the Goonies uh, he suffers from physical abuse uh, at home and Vern who is played by Jerry O'Connell he's sort of made fun of because he's really squeamish you know he's not really in a whole blood and guts thing and Chris uh, played by River Phoenix he everyone sees him as this bad kid so they're all there are very low expectations or no expectations for him in his future and everybody just assumes he's this bad kid and they don't treat him very nicely so basically what happens uh, the film kind of transports you back to the 1950s, and I only wish that I could reminisce about that, but I can't. That's my parents' generation, so I just have to assume that they're painting an accurate picture for me. And uh, basically what happens, uh, they hear about this dead body. Um, I believe it, Vern, so Jerry O'Connell's character, he hears from his older brother. He's underneath uh, the porch of his house, and he hears his brother talking about the location of this body of a kid who's gone missing. Supposedly he was hit by a train, and uh, his older brother, and they talk about going out to find this body. They're like, you know, nobody knows where this kid is, but we heard this rumor, and if, you know, if we come back with either the body or information... Uh, you know, will be heroes. And so Vern, he goes and tells his three good buddies about what's going on. And, you know, they kind of decide, well, let's go find this body, you know, let's go on this journey, which is basically, it's like a journey from boyhood to manhood, blah, blah, you know, coming of age. And this kid that supposedly disappeared, he's their age. And I think uh, one of the reasons Gordy wants to go along with this is because he's still suffering from the loss of his brother. And maybe he thinks that going to go and find this body will sort of help bring this to a close. And uh, the whole story, it's being narrated by Gordy. Uh, in, he's sort of reflecting back on this. So uh, basically what's happening is Gordy, he's interested in writing as a kid, as we see in the movie, and he became a writer. So he's speaking from the present and reminiscing on uh, this, basically, this search for this kid's body. And it was taken from a Stephen King short story called The Body. And uh, I don't know, I just, I really liked it. First of all, the whole time I was thinking, are they really going to find this body? I mean, this seems sort of like a kid-friendly flick, um, despite all of the, the swearing and everything. I mean, I guess when I look back on it, it's not that kid-friendly, but you would expect, you know, it's about four boys, it's a coming-of-age story. You'd think it would be kid-friendly. And uh, and then they actually, I don't, I don't know, you've got the train scene, which was great, and uh, there's a little trivia here. Um, I was really worried that they were going to get run over, because the train keeps coming and coming, and during that scene, Rob Reiner, who's the director, he couldn't get Jerry O'Connell and Will Wheaton to look scared enough for, uh, you know, what they were supposed to be going through. They're supposed to be worried that a train's going to run them over. So what he basically did was he yelled at them until he made them cry, and then they did the scene over again. And I think that's the scene that uh, is in the movie now. 
So, uh, and also, um, you know, they, they sort of leave on this adventure. It's like, I guess back in the, I've heard of this going, you know, back in the fifties, kids, when you, if you had a bike, you were basically gone all day and your parents, you know, they're like, I don't know where they are, but you know, they'll be back by dinner. So basically what the kids did, they just, you know, they packed up some food and, uh, other supplies and, you know, started walking down the railway tracks. And, uh, for example, they need they run out of food, I believe, and then they need to go and get some. So Will Wheaton, he takes, you know, everybody's, you know, who's got what? And they end up with $2.37 in change, and then he goes and buys some stuff. And interestingly enough, the number 237, uh, apparently for some reason, I don't know why, appears in Stephen King's novels quite a lot. And I didn't really go into any sort of detail about trying to find out why this was, but I thought it was interesting. Anyway, uh, so they go and, you know, they're on this journey, they they got the train scene, and they found the body. And I didn't think they were going to. I just, you know, I thought, well, what kind of a conclusion, uh, you know, can come of this movie? And then I thought, well, I guess anything's possible, you know, because they did find the body, and I was, I don't know, I was surprised they weren't more creeped out by it, because if that was me, and I'd found the dead body of a kid who was my age, I would be, I don't know, a little more stressed or something. I don't know. Maybe they were in shock. But then you get the scene where Kiefer Sutherland's character, Ace, comes along with uh, his buddies in their car. And and then Gordy gets hold of the gun. And you think, well, if they found the body, then Gordy could possibly shoot somebody. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I thought, you know, anything's possible. So, I don't know. I, I love the movie. I would recommend it to anybody who uh, is interested in a good story. And, uh, you know, coming of age uh, story basically. And I do have some interesting trivia here. Um, there's this DVD documentary about it, and according to Will Wheaton, he said uh, the scene where Vern uh, can't remember the secret knock to the clubhouse. Uh, the secret knock was sought up by uh, Wheaton, Phoenix, and Feldman the day it was shot, just to make Vern look more pathetic. So I thought that was interesting uh, as well. Um, Director Rob Reiner, he was an avid non-smoker, and he was all about um, anti-smoking laws in California. And he insisted that uh, there's a scene of the boys smoking, and their cigarettes were made out of cabbage leaves. So, you know. And this was also Jerry O'Connell's movie picture debut, and apparently uh, when he was practicing his lines, he was very impressed that as an 11-year-old, he was being allowed to swear on camera in front of people, that it would be seen by possibly millions of other people. And apparently Kiefer Sutherland was as much of a jerk off-camera as on-camera in order to stay in character, which I don't know if that was traumatizing for the four kids or not, uh, so I don't, can't speculate on that. And uh, one more thing. You know in the scene where they, they find the body and then Ace, Kiefer Sutherland's character and his boys, they, they basically confront them, they're like, we're taking the body or we're going to bring it back to everybody and, and tell them about it. Um, when they were filming the scene, when Kiefer takes uh, Wheaton's, um, his brother's Yankees cap, uh, they said, you know, Kiefer, he wanted to sort of put the hat on rather than uh, hand it to Eyeball Chambers. And uh, Rob Reiner told him not to put the hat on um, just because that, you know, Ace was stealing it to be cruel to Gordy and um, not because the hat was important to Ace. And the idea was that, you know, as soon as he stole it, he threw it away. And that's why you never see Gordy with the hat again. And that was confirmed by both Kiefer Sutherland and Will Wheaton in the DVD behind-the-scenes documentary. So I, was, I wasn't I was really wondering about the cap. I kind of forgot about it because, you know, you have this whole thing with the body. But if anybody was wondering, 
Oh, and you know the name of the kid, uh, the, the body, uh, Milo Pressman. Uh, that name was actually used in the first season of 24 with Kiefer Sutherland. So uh, I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, you know, like 20 years later, you're going to use this name. But anyway, so that's basically that's Stand By Me. And I don't know what movie I'm going to do next week, but I think it's going to be a, an older movie. So, you know, hopefully, and we'll see. And besides movies, I'm also interested in history. I love reading about it because, uh, well, I, I can't really say why. I mean, just do. And I found this book. It's called Swinging the Lead and Spiking His Guns, uh, Military and Naval Expressions and Their Origins. And I've often wondered about things like this. You know, how do we get these sayings that we have that we use every day? And I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard of this. Uh, somebody being a loose cannon. And... Uh, basically, it's the idea that the damage and mayhem that could be caused aboard a warship if one of its heavy artillery pieces, such as a cannon, broke loose from its mounting and rolled free over a gun deck during a storm or a course of a battle. And if any of you have watched any number of, uh, I guess, uh, tall ship movies or naval flicks, uh, you know, if you've seen, uh, you know, what happens when a cannon, you know, basically it's mayhem, uh, those things are really heavy and they're dangerous. So basically the the phrase itself uh, came into common usage in the early 19th century and after that it was sort of applied metaphorically to people who behaved uncontrollably and uh, didn't really care about the consequences of their actions. So I don't know, that's just a little little tidbit I wanted to throw in there. And basically uh, that's all I have to say. I, I haven't had any feedback, I don't think. I haven't checked my Gmail account in a while. So I can't really respond to anything anybody said. So please, give me some feedback. Is this good? Is this bad? You know? So let me know. And uh, I guess I guess that's it. Till next week. Music for the Straw Wolf podcast is provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network.